Hey there, good morning, and welcome to Hochmai and Coffee Live. I pray you're having a fantastic morning so far. It's still uh, very much dark outside over here in Oregon, but I am so thankful you're here. And I know this morning we're covering Revelation 4 and 5, verse by verse, and we're going to be talking about this book, this scroll, that literally nobody in heaven and earth are worthy to open, and it's, it makes John so distraught that he begins to weep until an angel tells him, don't weep, because something amazing, and we're going to talk about that as we get into it, and so I, I, you don't want to miss this, you, you definitely want to journey with us through these two chapters in Revelation, and joining us, as always, is my brother Jonah. Good morning, how are you doing over there? Doing good. Yes, sir. You ready for uh, another day of schooling and teaching and all those things? Yes. God is good. We made it another week. So it's just amazing how fast time's yeah. flying. We're already in February. Like That's crazy. Like 2023 is just already cooking. It's already moving along. And so, oh, I'm glad you're here. And I'm excited for what we're going to be talking about this morning. Before we jump into the word, we probably take a minute just to jump through a few things. First of all is a free Hochmein coffee background for anybody who wants it. Uh, that's there in the description. You can get that for yourself. We also got these new mugs. If you want to be a part of the cool mug club, feel free, pick that up as well. And then I want to say a big thank you. We take a lot more time on the thank you here is I want to say thank you to Judy Murphy, Gary Pence, Maggie Diaz, Kathy Earnhardt, Cindy Erickson, Friends, these people have been supporting us for years, and it is because of them that this is happening right now. We were able to, to like I'm looking at the mic here, we're able to get things like this and get the cameras and get the software and keep the software going because it costs because of these people. And so thank you. I just want to say a big thank you. I couldn't say thank you enough uh, for the supporters. Also, I want to say thank you to those who are part of our Everything Church Pro University. It's been a phenomenal first month. I've enjoyed every minute. Uh, and it's we're trying to make the world's most inexpensive Bible training, Bible college style training. And so we have here bronze, which gives you everything in there. You're able to for $4.99 a month, get in there and get so much good Bible training. And so let me see if I even have that pulled up over here. Here's some homework from this week that uh, Michael was putting up there. But I just want to say thank you to everyone who's in here. Let me just see here. So we've got the members. We've got Brian, Jeremy, Luigi, Michael, John, Jesse, Jack, Jonah, Eric, Tim, Judy, Joseph, Nancy, Jana, Michelle, Michelle. We got two Michelles. Uh, we got Renata, Pamela, Andrew, and Molly. I just want to say a big thank you. Wow, look at that picture there. So, <laughs> so uh, Brian felt like he wanted to put that in there since we were covering numbers this last week. Too funny. Uh, but we are going to be today covering our, our position on tattoos inside uh, the the course today. And so if you want to jump in even before we get there, it's going to be at 3.30 today in our office hours. It was a good question brought up as we were going through Leviticus. What about tattoos? Is that verse in Leviticus really, really say we can't have tattoos? What's your position? If you're curious, join us in uh, there for office hours. We go live once a week just to answer questions about the courses or even just general spiritual questions. And so if you're interested, make sure you jump in. But without further ado, are you ready to jump into Revelation? Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. Now we're getting into the juicy stuff of Revelation. We're getting into the apocalyptic style of uh, Revelation, whereas the first part wasn't too bad. Uh, now we're going to get into some of the, the hard things to understand. And so chapter four, chapter four, it begins by saying this. And after this, so this is after uh, Jesus has revealed himself, and after he had given these messages specifically to each of these seven churches, now after that, John looks, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So right here, we're getting a transition uh, from present tense where these churches actually existed and they actually needed these challenges to a very clear, he's going to show him, this is going to be visions, show him things which must be hereafter, okay? And so, oh, oh, and I also love this, I was in the spirit, okay? So, so this wasn't him transported bodily to the end of time, but this is a clear break. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk that some people place the rapture right here. 
And although contextually that's not what is happening, this is literally John uh, being invited to see what was going to happen in the future. Uh, it isn't a convenient place to insert it, though not everyone agrees that the rapture happens right here. Uh, that's a whole can of worms that I, we're not going to dive into because it's actually not in the text. I just wanted to give that as a side note. Uh, but I want us to look here at what we begin to read. I mean, look at this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold, he nay, look at this. Look at what's happening here. A throne was set in heaven. I think uh, we need to spend time as we go through this and just imagine like this chapter four literally is just for us to take time and imagine, I believe, what it would be like to step foot into heaven. Like, I, I, I think that. What do you think, John, as we get into this? Yeah, um, definitely. And I even had this uh, question yesterday, and you brought up a good point. Because you just mentioned this is a vision. He's not transported bodily uh, into the future. This is a vision. And there are going to be some things where he describes God and even Jesus as um, a stone and a, a lamb. And is he actually seeing this? We believe so. But is this what Jesus actually looks like in right. heaven? And you're like, oh, man. So with that said, you were, you, you were saying yesterday as we were talking over it. If he were to actually see heaven, he wouldn't yeah. be able to put it into words. Yeah. Um and so as he's having this vision, he's just writing down what he's literally seeing in this vision. Uh, but I do think, man, just as you said, when we see this throne and it, man, imagination starts going, but we, we know our mind can't even fathom what is it really going to be like. But oh, we get a man. small taste and the Holy Spirit can help us with that. And that's where I'm at with this. We'll talk probably more about that as we continue going. But it's this is a vision, and this is what God shows him to help him at least comprehend in a little bit what heaven's like, and that something he can put into words for us to get a sense of what heaven's like. And, and, and I think it, it's hard for us to even explain what we're trying to even say here. So we're going to try just to read through it. And so it says here, it says, there was a throne set in heaven. There's a throne. So we got to imagine a throne. And one sat on the throne, and he that sat on the throne uh, uh, to, was to look upon like as uh, jasper and sardine stone. So I looked that up. This is sardine stone, and jasper is very similar. They're like a red rock. And that's where it started breaking my brain yesterday when we were going through this. I'm looking at this like, okay, wait, what? How does God look like this stone? And, and, and so I don't get it. Like, I, if you're out in the, and, and you're watching this, help me out here. I, I, my imagination can't can't make God look like that. And so that's what's hard for me. And I think it was hard for John to try to figure out some phrase, some word to help us understand what God looked like. But that's what he says, Jasper and sardine stone. And then he says, there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. How? <laughs> okay, so it's a rainbow. So that means it's multicolored, but it looks like an emerald, which are green stones. Friends, this breaks our language. It breaks our minds just trying to imagine what heaven is like. Like he's having to use, it's like this. It's like that. I, that's the best I can say is it's when I looked at it, it looked like this and kind of like that uh, to try to help us understand things that are higher than our realm, that are higher than we've ever experienced. And But now we get into some things that are interesting, but they're not as hard for us to visually comprehend. He says, and round about the throne were four and 20 seats, which is 24 seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders sitting. So there's 24 elders sitting on these 24 seats that are around the throne. And these 24 elders are clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold, and out of the throne, this is so crazy, out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Now, this just brings me to Sinai. Personally, when I think of this, the lightnings and the thunderings and the voices, it brings me to when God gave the law, when his presence descended on Sinai, and they were all terrified. I think in Hebrews, does it say that even Moses quaked with like strong fear? He's like, ah, oh, this is... This is intense. This is crazy. And we've come not to Mount Zion, but to, or not to Mount Sinai, but to Mount Zion. And I think that's in that passage. But that's what I'm getting in my mind here is, whoa, 
when John comes into this presence, first of all, he doesn't pass out, which is crazy. He passed out when he saw Jesus. Whoa, that was just too much of a sight. But when he comes into this crazy sight, he's like, this is intense, but he's still, he's still keeping his bearings about him. And he says here, there were seven lamps of fire uh, roundabout. And uh, Luigi, it's good to see you this morning. But he says, there are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God, which we're not going to go into again. I think that we've hit this like four times now in, in, our, in our conversation, our revelation, hit some of the earlier ones. But this is not seven distinct spirits. This is the Holy Spirit, the completion, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so we'll just leave that there. But I just, I just think this, this, this keeps going. There's a sea of glass before the throne, like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne. Uh, that's hard for me. In the midst and round about were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. The second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within. And the, they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. So I'm going to stop there for a second. We've hit a lot just to imagine that there's this throne that he is beholding. The one sitting on the throne looks like these sardine stones. Uh, I, I can't get my mind around that, but I'm trying to picture it in my mind. And not only is there the one sitting on the throne, there's this rainbow around the throne that it looks like an emerald. <clears throat> and, and there's 24 seats around this throne where there's 24 elders sitting clothed in white with golden crowns on their head. And then as he's looking at this site, there's lightnings and thunderings and voices proceeding from the throne. And then as he's looking at this, there's these seven lamps of fire that are burning before it and a sea of glass that's just, it's just like crystal. Uh, and then it says round about the throne and in the midst of the throne, there are these four beasts that look pretty interesting who are just all day saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is, uh, which was and is and is to come. Wow. What a sight to behold. What are your initial thoughts on this? Just sight. Like it's just a spectacle to see. Yeah, I am probably thinking just a little bit of what he was thinking. What am I seeing? Yes. There's just so much to take in. Um, and so definitely we can see that the one sitting on the throne is worthy. Uh, and we will obviously get more into that in these next few verses. But we just saw that these four beasts, they say, yeah. holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And so they are giving him all the worship uh, and all the glory. And yeah. so we do know that. And it's very important to mention that right now, that this one that's sitting on the throne deserves all glory and worship and praise and he's holy yeah. and i don't think we've covered the word holy on our podcast before but it's the word for set apart unique completely other which from that we derive he's separate from sin because he's separate from everything mm -hmm. he's separate from sin because sin is that which uh misses the mark it's that which is unlike god it's that which is uh, destructive. It's the opposite, literally, of what God is. And so he is holy. And he's not just holy. We saw this in Isaiah 6. He's holy, 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 which is the, the fullness of holiness. Like holy can't even up, can't even describe him perfectly. You have to say it three times for people to even start to get a grasp of how, how different and unique and set apart and amazing the Lord God Almighty truly is and it says they rest not day or night saying this and this is what brought me when we were talking yesterday about uh isaiah's vision and i had to ask myself are, are these the seraphim like are these the ones that are are flying about because the bible says that they had six wings just like these ones have six wings it says with uh, two they covered their face with two they covered their feet and with two they did fly and they went around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So it's a little bit different what they're saying, but the message is essentially the same. Uh, but I was also looking, and uh, this is in the New American Commentary. Uh, he has this chart here of the cherubim in Ezekiel. 
And so I was thinking the seraphim, uh, but he's looking at the cherubim. And we see here that in Ezekiel, there's four living creatures, but the ones in Ezekiel only have four wings, whereas these ones have six. Uh, the faces are similar. Uh, the eyes, similar, multiple eyes. The torso, it goes even more description in Ezekiel. And so <laughs> long story short, there's similarities to both the seraphim and the cherubim, but there's also differences. And so I don't know what these are, and I don't, I don't know if we'll know before we get to heaven, uh, but I just wanted to make everyone aware of the similarities to both of these and the differences that both of them have. I mean, there are, excuse me, distinct differences. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I would agree with you. Um, seems like there are, there are similarities, there are differences. So I, I couldn't ever say, Oh, those are, those are definitely the seraphim for sure. Or no, those are cherubim because, uh, they could be, I guess. I mean, we don't have the full picture of either one and, uh, all three of those texts. And so we get small bits and of descriptions here and there. And so, so basically we can't tell you exactly what they are, but that's okay. Like, like we're going to we're going to come across things in revelation that we will not be able to comprehend and that's a good thing. It means God is bigger and heaven is greater and the and the creatures in heaven are higher even than we can comprehend because they're different. We've just never been somewhere so pure and holy and and full. And so it's a good thing. It's a good thing for us to wrestle with these things and still not know completely. And so we have here uh these these four beasts who are saying, holy, holy, holy. And it says here, and when, so now we're going to talk about what happens when they do this. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their thrones before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure. This is huge. Four thy pleasure, they are and were created. This is a big statement. And Mark, it's good to see you this morning. Now, this says the four M20 elders, every time they begin to give glory and honor, they fall down. So this is this seems to be repetitive, although it might not be. This might just be part of the vision, just showing them the generality of what takes place in heaven on a regular basis. But what happens is when these beasts Say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. When they do that, these 24 elders, which they seem pretty important to me. I mean, that they get this this prized place around the throne. We might think of them as high and lifted up. And yet what happens when their praise is given to God, they fall down. And they say, well, thou art worthy. And they cast their thrones uh, before his throne. They, just, they, they say, this is awesome, but it's not about me. They throw it down and they just fall down and say, you're the one who's worthy to receive the glory and the honor and the power. Not us. Because as humans, we are prone to take glory and think, yeah, I'm awesome. I, I deserve this promotion. I deserve uh, this in my life. And I deserve this person to love me. And I deserve, <laughs> we just have all this, this, this deservingness. But the thing that strikes me is that the highest, I guess, rank in heaven of humans are the ones who are the most humble and just realize it's not about me. It's about him. Uh, what are your thoughts about this section before we move into chapter five, which really gets delicious? Yeah, it uh, definitely is all about God. And I believe it. if we were where John, what John is, is where John is having this vision and we're right beside him getting to see it. If we were in the same shoes as the 24 elders, the moment we see God and we see mm-hmm. Jesus, no pride can ever be in our hearts and our beings. It, it all We might think of ourselves as a big shot. I think of those people who talk a big game until the person <laughs> comes up to them and they're like, okay, never mind. I, I'm Just good. <laughs> yeah. And so even if somebody has that kind of attitude, oh, oh, I'm going to... Uh, greet God like he's whatever. When you meet God, no, you will do exactly what we see in scripture. You will fall down. You'll worship. You'll all pride goes out the windows. And so that's what we see. Yeah. They might have an awesome spot uh, near uh, and close to uh, the throne and to the creator. They don't say, yeah, uh, I get this, but you don't, I'm something special. No, 
It's all about you know, God. It's amazing you brought something delicious out. A couple of things. First of all, it seems like the nearer you get to God, the humbler you get. And I think that's a, a clear uh, principle in scripture. Uh, it says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We see other places where he's nigh to the broken and the contrite and the one who's humble. And so that's why they're here is because they are humble. But I think it's also because as you get closer to God, you have, like you're saying, it drives pride away, which I think mm. emphasizes how evil Satan is, that mm. he could have been the anointed cherub. He could have been in the presence of God. And yet yeah. that pride, it says, until that pride was found in thee, in thine heart, uh, for him to be in the presence of God and yet still turn inward and think about how awesome mm. he was, that shows you how, how despicable he really is. And so thanks for bringing those out. That's huge. I think it's time to move into chapter five. What do you think? Yes, sir. Okay, so here we go. This is a big chapter. So he's just seen this big sight. I mean, this sight is enough to, to make us wonder for the rest of our life. Literally, friends, we can read chapter four over and over again and just imagine what heaven is like. Uh, and we'll never fully flesh it out until the day we're there. And I, I, that's going to be exciting. Friends, if you're watching and you're a believer, we're going to get to see this together. We're all going to be able to see heaven together. We'll have to talk about it uh, when we get there. But let's look at chapter five. It says, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, which we were looking at this, the word for proclaiming is Keruk. He's the herald of heaven, which if you have a pastor in your life, they're meant to be the herald of God. They're meant to herald, proclaim, to, to not just teach. And that's what we have nowadays is a lot of people who just want teaching because we have itching ears, but they are meant to herald. They're both meant to proclaim what God is doing or what God desires. And he says here that this strong angel, Keruks, he proclaims with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? That's a big question. And so just painting the picture as we continue into this section here, they, there's this massive, amazing things. The elders are falling down. The, the beasts are, are yelling out, holy, holy, holy. And then John is looking at this, this, this being who's sitting on the throne that looks like that sardine stone. And he, he looks in his hand and he sees a scroll there. And the scroll is written on both sides. It's, there's just so much to write. There's just so much there. And it's sealed with seven seals. And so this is interesting because he's wondering, like we're wondering, what in the world? What's this book that he's holding? And then to make things more intriguing, an angel yells out, like just declares out who's worthy to open that book that, that God the Father is holding. Who's worthy? And verse 3 gets really sad. Because there's no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, that are able to open the book or even to look on it. That, that, that's what shows this is, this is a vision that he's beholding because he's a man and he wouldn't be able to even look at the book. Uh, but he's looking at this vision of what's happening here and he sees that nobody can even, can even look at this book because they're not worthy. And, and because of this, he weeps much. He's weeping. He just, the, I was looking at, we were looking at the commentary yesterday and it says that the Greek here means this is not just like, uh, he weeps one time a lot. This is like a perpetual weeping. Like he's, as, as the search is ensuing, he's just crying and crying and crying. Like how, how can nobody be found to open this book? How can nobody be worthy to open this book? And, and he's invested in what's happening here. So what, what does this bring to your mind as you're seeing this scene until before we get to the resolution, which is awesome? What is your mind picturing and why do you think this is so significant for John and should be for us? It, uh, as I read, I'm wondering if, man, John knew exactly what, the big deal is because he yeah. sees everything going on. And then starting in chapter five, he says, I see in the right hand of the one who's sitting on the throne, there's this book. Mm. And it's not like he has any ideas of what it is right now. He's just, it's like, he's making an observation. And after he makes this observation, it's man, this seems like there's a lot of stuff written on this thing because it's written within there's uh, they even had to go to the backside of, uh, this scroll and all that. So there's so much there. It's sealed with seven seals. 
wonder what that is. And then all of a sudden, as he's making this observation, a strong angel saying, hey, who's worthy mm. to open this book, to loose the seal? So he's like, okay, this must be an important book. Okay, this is uh, interesting. And so now it seems like he is getting invested, like you just said, into the contents of this book. And he's like, I want to know what is in this book, because obviously there has to be yeah. someone worthy to open it. And so now they go on this search and he's like, man, someone's got to be worthy. Come on. Now this is so important. Not only is no one worthy that we can find, but the creator is holding it. The creator has got to be important. And so now he's starting to get worked up and he's weeping continuously. We've got to know what's in this book. We've got to, someone's got to be able to open it. And so now he is Mm. weeping uncontrollably and he's. This is big. I, I think this should be our heart even today. Uh, Cause it's the will of God. That's not going forward. God wants this book open, but nobody's able to open it. Like nobody's worthy. And just that thought that what God wants to do is not being done begins to just break John. And I think that's why this is a part of the Lord's prayer. It says, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then the next words are thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That should be our heart. Like God, Whatever you want to do, please, like, that's our heart. Let, let it be done in me. Let it be done around me. Let your will be done. And John, he's looking at this, who no doubt prayed uh, uh, using that formula uh, for, for decades now, since Jesus has, has left this scene, he realizes God's will needs to be done, and yet it's not even able to be done because he's looking around like, somebody? So who's going to stand up? Who's going to stand up? And all the people are, you know, like, you're a teacher, and you know, and you're like, all right, who wants to do this problem on the board? And people begin to. So, so I'm not, I'm not, not me. Uh, and that's what's happening all over heaven. And he's looking at these elders thinking, well, one of you guys, you guys are awesome. Take the book. Like, let's see God's will done. And, and they, they can't even look at it. And then he looks at earth and under the earth and nobody can do it. That's the feeling he's getting is God wants something to be done. Yet nobody, because of our, our fallenness, uh, is able to, our imperfection, our finiteness is able to even take this book and see God's will go forward. And I think that's what brings us into a beautiful cha- uh, verse five. Mm. Oh, it gets so good. And one of the elders saith unto me, this is this. I love this. I didn't get this yesterday. I didn't ever focus on it, but it's, it's not the angel who says this to him. He's weeping and just crying. And one of the elders looks over at him and, and he says, Hey bud, weep not. And then I love the next word. Behold. Like this isn't like, think about, this is like, turn your eyes and fully like experience visually, like comprehend, look, look, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I think this is beautifully written. You're supposed to be looking with John everywhere and not seeing anybody who can do it. And then the, the elder says, wait, 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 look over there. You didn't look there. And his eyes turn from the despair to the lion. Oh, I love that word because we're going to see another word from him just soon, you know, right down here. Uh, But the lion of the tribe of Judah, this majesty, this power, this ruler, this lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Wow. That that verse, when set in context, just it's just there's nothing we can add to it. It's just so. And if you're sitting there and you're listening to this, and you're like, well, I've heard better. Friend, what are you thinking? This is so huge that the, the lion hath prevailed in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. He prevailed and he's able to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And so let's take a second and let's talk about what this book could be, okay? Because we haven't done that yet. Um, so we've, we've seen God the Father holding this book that nobody's able to look on or open. And, and then we see Jesus, the, the lion. I think we all would understand that, that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that he's in the midst and he's prevailed so that he can open this book. And so what in the world is this book? And we, we were looking at this commentary again, the same one. And it says here, just, just, just going to bring up what he says. I, this is not what I, I, I don't know this, but this is what he's brought out in Roman law. According to some evidence, a testament was sealed with seven seals by seven witnesses before its legality could be established. 
And, and so this person is bringing out that this might be the, the testament of God, the, the inheritance that Jesus has on the world, basically, is that since he has conquered, the world is his. He even said, all authority is given me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He is the king. He is the Messiah. He reigns in heaven and in earth. And this was the title deed, I'm thinking, I guess, his, his inheritance. And nobody else was worthy but him to receive the inheritance. And so that's where I'm sitting. Uh, and I think this is going to play into the rest of the book of Revelation, if this is the case, uh, that this is his, so he's going to impose his rule. Nobody else is worthy. I mean, the Antichrist, who we're going to see raise up later, thinks he's worthy, thinks he can rule the world, but there's only one who has the divine right to actually rule the world. And so that's where I sit with this book. Where, where do you sit with the book? What are you thinking? Yeah, I tend to agree. The first thing I did was I went over and started reading uh, chapter six of when they start breaking the seals and reading it. And yeah, it definitely, uh, you can understand why only Jesus uh, would be able to uh, open this book and break these seals as um, man, it seems like these horses are coming and bringing judgment and all this. And so why would anyone else be able to do that other than God himself? But you made a great point. Uh, God, the father is giving this inheritance to his son. And so even though God might have the power and the worthiness, it's, it's not his to do it. He's, it's like, it's already his, he's giving it to his yeah. son. And so I, 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 I do believe that, um, that is a great way to look at it. It's a testament of how Jesus is going to rule, uh, his kingdom. And he has to really as we see a lot of kings in the Old Testament in Israel, when they became kings, some of these good kings, they had to clean house before they were able yeah. to rule. And so this is almost what he's doing. When he's opening up this scroll, he's like, okay, this, this is the, some of the first things we have to do before uh, this kingdom is how it ought to be. Which, so in, all of, uh, in Hebrew prophecy, there's this reoccurring theme of the day of the Lord. If you've read through any of the prophets, you've probably come across the day of the Lord, which is the day when God imposes his right as king and deals once and for all with evil. It's where he comes and evil is conquered. And we're seeing the initiation of the day of the Lord here, I think, is he's finally mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to initiate my actual reign on the earth, and it's going to begin with dealing with evil. And for him, he takes seven years methodically to deal with sin and evil. Uh, but let's look here uh, at Psalm 2, which I think helps also with this, with this. It says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ, against his anointed. Same word, saying they are, they are taking counsel against him, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords away from us. They're saying, we're not going to let him to rule over us. Like he's not going to reign over us. And that's what the Antichrist is going to be. And he's going to assemble the kingdoms of the world to say the same thing is let's break off God's rule. He doesn't need to rule over us. We can rule over ourselves. But it says here, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. They're not worthy to open the scroll. They're not worthy to rule. The Lord shall have them in derision. And then we see here, he's going to speak in, uh, unto them in his wrath, which we're going to see in these coming verses where we see the seals opened. And he says, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill. There's one who's worthy. And he says that thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. And we have here, thou shalt break them. This is going to be a key thought later on in the book. We've already seen it in when he's talking to the churches with the rod of iron and thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling, kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. This is what's like happening, like right now, is we are beginning to see in this chapter that, that psalm beginning to come to to, to reality. I mean, when Jesus came the first time he came to suffer and to save, he's coming the next time to reign like with the rod of iron. And God has given us thousands of years with this Psalm 
to, rem to remind us, submit. Don't be the fool who says, no, we'll cast his reign off. We can do it ourselves. He's the only one who's worthy. So submit, kiss the sun, lest he be angry. And so I love how it continues moving on here. It says, and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne uh, and the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, stood a lamb. So we move from lion to lamb and we're seeing Jesus as the sacrifice. And uh, I was talking with Isaiah, my brother-in-law. Uh, it was, I think it was yesterday, the day before. And he's talking about these Christians who reject the blood atonement. Mm -hmm. And they say that if you believe in the blood atonement, that's heresy. That's not real. That's not the Bible. Friend, uh, the truth is without blood, there is no remission. Jesus was slain for our sins. And it says that this lamb was standing, having been slain, and he had seven horns and seven eyes, and he explains this, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And so here we have a different picture of Jesus. And so what do you, what do you pull from this, this image that he's seeing that helps us understand Jesus's roles? What are you, what are you pulling from this? Yeah, so with that running start, which is interesting to think, it only seems like John was the only one weeping when they were doing the search. It seemed like everyone in heaven, they already knew. <laughs> Cause like one of the elders like, Hey, Hey, don't we, yeah. Yeah. We, he's like, he already knows there's the lion. So now as we're going from here, we, he sees the lion. He, this elder points out the lion. And so as he had, now he's directed towards this lion, who's mm -hmm. the root of David. He's like, okay, now I'm looking at him and I'm seeing in the midst. Now, even though he was referred to as the lion, he is seeing him as a lamb now, as it had been slain, having, uh, having, seven horns and seven eyes. And so I love this picture. We're getting all of the greatest pictures of Jesus, yeah. uh, the lion, the root of David, now a lamb. And as it had been slain, I, I, I love that phrase because it shows his power. And you'd almost think, no, it doesn't. It shows that, that he, he's probably weak and maybe uh, ghastly or whatever. And he's probably just hanging on for life. I don't believe that mm. uh, because after he rises from the dead and he shows himself to all of these witnesses, we do see that uh, even when he's in the upper room with the disciples, even with doubting Thomas, he says, Hey, put your hands in the wounds, uh, put you, yeah. touch my wounds in my hands and my feet, stick your hand in my side, which is interesting. He he's going about his business as he is perfectly fine. Yet he has these wounds and yeah. that, that uh, spear uh, wound in his side was supposed to show that he is dead while he was on the cross. They, they pierced his side to make sure he's dead. And yet he is walking around totally fine. Yeah. That shows that he has power over everything. He's the most powerful being. Uh, and so we see that now John is beholding this lamb as it had been slain in full power. And that's what you've even mentioned with that seven horns in the Hebrew uh, yeah. mind. They would understand the horns that it represents power. It and so um, that it's pretty amazing. Hopefully that helps uh, those of you listening. When you see horns, think power. Um, you'll even see this in, in uh, Hannah's song, which is one of the earliest, I think it might even be the first time that uh, the snake crusher is referred to as the Messiah. And she says that he's going to lift up the horn of his anointed. And so we have here, uh, this this horn he has seven of them I mean the completion the fullness of his power he's not kind of powerful he doesn't have a little bit of power he has the fullness of power and he has the fullness of the spirit he's not uh he has he him and the spirit are, are one we could even say that i guess we could with here he's the seven eyes um and so we have this this beautiful image of jesus as the lamb and the lamb he comes and he takes the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne like without hesitation, everyone else can't even look at it. Jesus, because he has prevailed, just walks right up and takes it out. I, I, I can't, I wish I could see this. Like, this is so cool to see how triumphant Jesus really is. I think it would make us much more willing to serve him. If we could get this into our minds that he's overcome, he is the rightful heir. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. And he's got this majesty about him. And he just walks up and takes that scroll, I can almost, it doesn't say it. Wait, does it say it here? 
Okay, it kind of does say it here because uh, I'm like, I, 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 if I saw that, uh, I'm thinking in like a basketball game kind of term when like it's the buzzer beater and someone hits it. So, ah! Like, oh, look at this. Look at what just happened. Victory is sure. Like when he takes this book, everyone knows from that moment on victory. It, victory is sure. It's in his hand. Judgment time is here and he's already won. Like he won at the cross. But when he takes the book, it's like, it's the end now. He's, it's time to deal out the death blow to sin. And so it says that when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb. So before they're falling down before the throne, and that was to show us how high and lifted up the father is. And when he shows us that he, they fall down before the lamb, it's to equate the lamb with the father. Like, like now we see this lamb is not just, okay, he's, he's a side thing, but we, look, at, look at the father. No, when they fall down before the lamb, it's bringing Jesus up to the level of the Father, showing they are one and the, and the same in authority and in glory. And it says, every one of them had harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Hey, Jonah, our prayers are in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Like, like God treasures our prayers, and they're a sweet-smelling savor to him. And it says, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. Thou wast slain. He's not slain anymore. He's alive now. He says, thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by, oh, I wonder what this is doing here, mm-hmm. thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto God. Oh, look at this calling, kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth this is a beautiful setup for the antichrist because we a lot of people are so nervous oh no what about the antichrist this is gonna but but, 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 but we're we're missing the hope that's at the end these people got it and that's why this is at the beginning i think to frame what's about to happen they're not wondering are we gonna reign on the earth are we gonna be kings and priests unto god is this is god really gonna win it's like Whoa, they're already celebrating the victory at the end, like, like Jericho. You know, we talked about this. We're, we're about to release uh, Joshua soon. Uh, but we have here, they already know the victory is coming. They already know the walls are coming down. And just like they shouted in victory and blew the trumpets before the walls came down, that's what's happening here. Mm. The victory's here. We're going to reign on the earth. And it doesn't matter what's going to follow in the book. It's already done. The victory's already ours. What thoughts do you have before we move forward? Uh, I love everything you just said, but a tiny small detail yeah. that I just came to mind, uh, which is it's pretty awesome. Uh, you you read the Gospels when Jesus is on earth and how just like how he speaks about him and the father. It's it's almost like nonchalant. It's He's not even thinking much about it because he knows he's equal with God. And now being able to see him interact with the father, yeah. he just goes right on up, takes it. And, it's, and so you can just go from his perspective. Mm. This is normal. I mean, he is just as worthy. He is God as well. And so he doesn't have to be timid or shy when he approaches the father. He has that crazy, uh, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it, but that's when, when he, yeah, authority. There's so and many so when, words. <laughs> when he comes to earth and he says these things that, man, the scribes, the Pharisees, they can't stand. And they say, <laughs> how can you say these things? He's like, what are you talking about? My father works in there too, so I work. And, and I love what Philippians says. He says, he, he thought, thought it not robbery. robbery. Yeah. To be equal with God. It's like, so. that, that's just who I am. I'm, I am God. And mm. so I love that. Thank you for bringing that out. Just to see, just to uplift Jesus to his rightful position. He already mm. knows. He's like, I love it when he says uh, that I don't receive honor from men. He's like, mm. I, he's like, I, the father honoreth me. I know who I am. I don't need you to say, oh, you're so awesome. He's like, I already know who I am. And we see that here. Thanks for bringing that out. That's massive. And so we have here him taking the book and everyone just shouting out and just being so excited and singing a new song about redemption, how he's redeemed us by his blood. And I want to look here before we move on. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Luigi says, uh, bloody sacrifices are horrendous because sin is horrendous. Sin never looks good. That's so true. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Uh, Mark says, hallelujah, washed in the blood of the lamb. Praise God. Amen. 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 And I think Luigi seconds that motion. Amen. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. Let's keep going. I mean, 
the these next few verses just wrap it all up before we get into the intensity of the judgments we have here. It says here, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. I, I'm just trying to picture that in my mind. So he's hearing this new song being sung. Everyone in heaven is just joyous, shouting, singing because he's holding the scroll. Like he's not even opened it yet. He's just holding it. And heaven is in a, is in the most amazing frenzy we could ever even imagine. Just so excited. And the angels uh. around about are just singing and shouting. And he says, and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, which I think you said was 100 million yesterday when you calculated it. But that's not even it. He says, and thousands of thousands. So it's just an innumerable amount. There's just millions and millions and maybe even billions of people who are just saying together, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Like there's not enough adjectives and there's not enough things he received because of his, him, him dying on the cross for our sins. He says power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. They're all just chanting this together. Just, wow, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Uh, there's a beautiful song. Uh, is it called, is he, is he worthy? Is that mm-hmm. one? Oh, that, that I believe is taken from this passage. You guys, maybe after we're done here, go listen to it. And it just talks about, is he worthy? Is he worthy? He is. He really is. And they're just chanting it out. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. And every creature which is on heaven, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne to the father. Oh, I just totally switched things here because I wasn't in the right mode. And unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Friends, we needed this before we got into the judgments. We needed to see how high and lifted up God and the Son and the Spirit truly are. We needed to see how heaven respects him and how heaven rejoices Because we're going to see God do things on the earth that are going to be counter our flesh. They're going to be things that our flesh says, why? No, this does this need to be. But we need to see who God really is and his rights and his authority and his holiness. Because he's not doing this just out of spite. Like, I really don't like the things that they're doing. Uh, Personally, I just just think they're not what I like. I'm just going to smash everybody, boom, 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 because I just don't, it just doesn't fit my fancy. That's not what's going on here. He's holy. He is a life itself, and he's the one who actually has the rights of the universe and the earth. And so he's going to exercise this right because he knows what sin does. I don't think we really comprehend what sin does. Uh, like somebody said, sin is horrendous. And I don't even think we, get, we grasp not just how horrendous it is, but how dangerous and deadly sin is. And God's the only one who really gets it. Like he really gets how destructive sin is. And so he will, he already showed us what he was willing to go through to extinguish sin, dying on the cross. He was willing to go the whole way. And now we're going to see him actually enact the authority he, he received by dying on the cross to wipe out the old kingdom. And it's going to be hard for us to read because we're humans and we see fellow humans who are still in the old kingdom who are going to be wiped away like the flood. They're going to be, they're going to be in the judgment taken away. And it's going to be hard. Our hearts are going to ache a little bit reading this, thinking, oh, How could this be? But I think we need to remember God has not given them a short amount of time to repent. He's given them so much time to get in the ark. He's given them thousands of years to get the message. And yet many said no. And many said, I don't want to hear it. And many, like in Psalm 2, said, we will not have this king to reign over us. We will cast off his bands. We will reign over ourselves. And they will be destroyed with the old kingdom. And so, friend, if you're listening and you're not part of Jesus' kingdom, the beautiful thing is you can be redeemed. You can be bought back. You can be rescued from the reign of sin, Satan, and death. And you can be translated, as it says, I believe in Colossians, into the kingdom of his dear son. You can be transplanted. You can be an immigrant from the old kingdom into the new one. But you've you've got to come to Jesus alone. You've got to repent of your sin. You've got to repent of your old way of viewing things and trust Jesus. 
what what comes to your mind here in these these few verses 11 through 14 that we need to tease out before we move in next week to the sealed judgments yeah i think you uh summed it up so well it we we have to know it john had to realize it uh that jesus is worthy god is worthy to do what they're about to do yeah. uh which is awesome even uh it's in verse 13 uh up to this point we do see the one sitting on a throne being worshiped we see the lamb and the lion being worshiped but separately mm-hmm. now here so the blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the land forever. Now it's, Together. they're on the same level. Uh, yes, they're both being worshiped uh, separately, but now they're all saying no to God, the father, God, the son, we are worshiping at the same time. They are equal. And so mm-hmm. as we get into chapter six and on, they are worthy to do what they're about to do. Mm. Thank you for that. That's I pray we meditate on that this week and just read this over and over again because truthfully, chapter six is going to get tough. It's going to get tough. And we need to remember that's why these two chapters are here, like you were saying, how worthy he is. And I think the more we realize he's worthy, the more we will die to self, the mm-hmm. more we will surrender and, and we'll be able to pray authentically, not my will, but thine be done. You're worthy. That Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. Uh, Lord, uh, you're the one who's worthy. And so thank you for bringing that out. And I want to look here at the comment that just came in. We can never praise the Lord enough. Mm-hmm. He is worthy. He sure is. Uh, I agree. And I think this is a good place for us to end for today is just to spend time thinking he's worthy. He's worthy. Maybe as we end the live stream, just spend some time, turn off all electronics and just get on your face before God if you're physically able and just say, wow, Lord, you are the king. You are worthy. Thank you. Like, I love this. Thank you for redeeming us for thou hast redeemed us over here in verse nine by thy blood out of every kindred, every tongue and people and nations. Doesn't matter what race you are. Friends, God is able to redeem us by his blood. And so Jonah, thank you for, for coming uh, on the podcast and being with us every week. It's so huge. And thank you all for watching and, and commenting or even listening later on with the, the podcast friends, but take some time right now and just remember how worthy and how uplifted our God is. And we'll see you Lord willing next week.